0: Hello and welcome to AV Forms Podcast, the Home AV Edition for Monday, the nineteenth of February two thousand and twenty-four. And on this edition, I'm joined by Martin Jew, Julian Scott, and our special guest tonight, Greg Glowen. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Right, we're doing things a little bit differently this year. If you didn't tune into the Hi Fi Podcast or the Movies Podcast uh, earlier this uh, month, uh, then let me explain things to you. So, we are no longer live streaming. Uh, these podcasts are pre-recorded. And we've broken out the podcast into various categories. So we now have a podcast for hi fi, TV, home AV, and we also have two movies editions. Um, plus, when it's a longer month, and uh, we have a fifth Monday, uh, so that's April, July, September, and December, there'll also be a gaming podcast this year. So every Monday of the month, uh, of the year, in fact, you will have an AV Forums podcast, even in December, uh, because we are. At pre-recording these um, so we've got plenty to get through uh, this year and obviously the reason why we're breaking these out into separate categories is so we can deep dive into the subjects uh, answer your questions so if you do have questions uh, there are a few ways of uh, getting in touch with us Um, get your questions in. We'll then do them on the next uh, podcast. So come and join us for all the podcasts uh, this year. We should have something uh, for everybody. Now, if you do watch podcasts on YouTube, just be aware this is no longer on the main YouTube channel. Uh, this now moves over to the av forums podcast movies channel uh, so if you search that out on youtube and subscribe then you won't miss any of the podcasts uh, this year as they are published like i say every monday and of course if you listen to the audio only version it will still be available through your podcast provider it'll just be a new one every monday for you um so that's how the podcast works but you might be new to the AV forums podcast. you might not know who we are and why we're around and why you should um, actually care. Uh, well, we're one of the largest AV and HiFi communities on the planet on the internet. Um, AV Forums has been around uh, since two thousand, is when the the website launched. The editorial side of things, so that's the side of things that uh, we do here. Uh, that started in two thousand and three. We've got over five hundred thousand members of the website. Um, lots more returning uh, uh, members uh, and visitors. Um, and of course, we cover editorial, which covers TV, Hi-Fi, home AV, gaming, movies, and physical media. Um, and we create the content for you. At the end of the day, um, we're not sponsored. We're we're not a manufacturer. We're we we don't work for an manufacturer. We don't have any influence um, from them or from advertisers. Uh, we're here to give you honest, unbiased, and experienced opinions and knowledge. And a lot of us have been around. Uh, this industry for a little time now so uh, just to introduce you to myself if you're not aware I'm Phil Hinton I'm the editor of the site I have been for the last 20 years Um, I helped build the editorial right from the start uh, with the forum founder Stuart Um, I'm an enthusiast first and foremost even though I do this uh, as my profession nowadays Um, I'm also a very experienced TV and AV reviewer and a display calibrator and I'm trained and certified by ISF THX and PVA, and we're going to talk about PVA tonight uh, because Greg is along, and he'll tell you all about himself in a minute. Um, so I, I also produce the videos and reviews and so on. So you'll see my face on most of the videos on Forum. So that's who I am. Jules, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Yeah, well, I uh, trained uh, with, uh, under Greg at, in 2011, uh, under THX as it was then. Uh, As a video calibrator, and I've been doing it ever since now, also PVA certified and assisting Greg with uh, the uh, instruction at the uh, present, uh, you know, with the PVA courses now. So I've been professionally calibrating for all that period of time and cover grading studios, uh, people's normal TVs, consumer TVs in their homes, and uh, for high end custom installations as well. So I get to see quite a lot of systems. Uh, and do okay. a bit of
0: audio, audio calibration too excellent and uh, also here tonight is martin martin introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are
1: yeah hi
2: um i moved to san francisco in the 1990s and worked for lucasfilm thx for nearly 10 years uh in marketing sales and business development on both the home and pro sides but at different times i then moved to la and did business development for the NEC corporation, digital cinema division. And we were one of the three at the time, DCI compliant manufacturers for digital projectors for for the theatrical rollout of digital projectors, replacing 35 millimeter projectors. Um, I then, before I moved back to the UK, I was in the States for 23 years. Before I moved back to the UK, I doubled a bit, uh, not only working as an actor, but also in film crews. in some cases, with uh, with DreamWorks and Steven Spielberg's team. So, those are fun years. And now I um, consult to a manufacturer and I also review audio equipment for AV Forums and another well known magazine.
0: Okay. And uh, so that's Martin. Uh- As you can see, bags of experience already. And finally, Greg, Uh, Greg's a special guest tonight. Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how long you've been in the industry and so
3: on. Well, I've been in the industry now for about 23 years as a professional uh, video calibrator and uh, video consultant. Um, I worked, I created the video training program with THX and I ran that for 11 years. And then I started off on my own with the Professional Video Alliance about six years ago now. So Right now, I, I'm the founder and the head of the Professional Video Alliance. And
0: what does the the PVA do? Just for for those of the people out there who maybe don't understand it.
3: Yeah, well, the, the it's all video, and then it, just as the term says, it's it's an alliance. So the the alliance brings together various manufacturers of video products and uh, other people that care about video fidelity. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether it's performance, home theater, or post production or, or or production in studio, everyone has the same desire for image fidelity. I bring all the groups together. So we all espouse those standards and we all strive to increase the awareness of those standards.
0: Excellent. So that's who we are. And of course it's our goal to bring you the best factual information, uh, reviews, videos, all that kind of thing. Um, with the experience and knowledge that we have, hopefully uh, you'll get some entertainment out of this, but also learn something along the way. Or maybe you've got questions, uh, maybe you've got feedback, maybe you want to pick up on some of the things that we discussed this evening. And, of course, you can do that uh, by uh, going to podcast.avforums.com on the email, uh, go to AVForums, got the form list, follow so the down the bottom, and uh, find this podcast and ask your question there. Um, and, of course, the other way is... In the comments below but before we get on with the show we've got some competitions to get through and some really good prizes for people to win um so uh why don't we um go through the competitions now um martin yep
2: sure and excuse me please while i glance at my other monitor but uh firstly we've got a chance to win a teak ai303 integrated amplifier worth 799 pounds This competition closes at 11.59pm on Saturday, the 30th of February, 2024. Secondly, you can win the ultimate streaming system worth £2,400 from Roxanne and Monitor Audio with the Atessa streaming app and the MA Silver 107G bookshelf speakers. This competition closes at 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday, the 28th of February of this year, 2024. And finally, you can win a Valencia Tuscany XL Ultimate Luxury Onyx Cinema Seat worth £2,200. That competition closes at 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday, the 28th of February.
0: OK, uh, that's the competitions. No previous winners to tell you about, but we do have some new patrons. Um, thank you very much for your support. Uh, again, Martin, why don't you uh, run through quickly who the new patrons are?
2: Yep, sure. Our new patrons are Jordan Holland, Dave Dean, David, Ben Ackerman, Saab Unleashed, Nick, and Arjan Verdi.
0: Okay. Uh, again, thank you very much for your support. Uh, it really is appreciated. It does help us expand the editorial and these podcasts. And, of course, um, you don't just have to be a patron. You can also buy us a coffee. And somebody did buy us a coffee, Martin.
2: Uh Yes, uh, Jimenez bought us a, copy, a coffee, coffee.
0: A coffee. Excellent. Well, we'll share it amongst the four of us. Thank you very much for that. And thank you for your support. Uh, right, So uh, some Q&A feedback from uh, previous podcasts from YouTube, actually. PW8796 uh, asks, most energy efficient AV setup with minimal compromise? Um, I'm stuck on this one because uh, I don't think there's any way, really, if you want the best performance. Um, and I just thinking from a display point of view, um, you know you're looking at a g rating anyway for most hdr tvs so um and in terms of running amplification amplifiers i guess you know class d is maybe a little bit more efficient um but i'm really struggling with that one any any suggestions guys
1: it's usually the first thing that has to come off phil on a display is the energy saving yeah it's throttle everything back it's you know it's, it's it's restricting um the quality the performance of the display so yeah it's hard to think of something
0: and amplification as well you need the amplification to drive and so on. so you're going to be using energy i guess the only positive uh or maybe a good positive spin that i could put on this is that we're no longer in the days of crt or plasma which were very very power hungry um and in terms of amplification i think we're, we're getting to the point now where class d is pretty efficient and pretty good to yes. be honest yes getting very um,
2: very good yeah
0: yeah so so yeah I, I I wouldn't worry too much about it if it's a navy setup it's going to it's it's going to use power one way or another. Um, don't use the energy-saving stuff on your display because you're just ruining the picture quality. It's probably the answer that we'd have to give at this moment in time. But if anybody's got any suggestions uh, for PW8796, then, of course, you know send them in to us and, and we'll have a look. Now, uh, the Home AV podcast, we cover everything to do with uh, AV, so projectors, big screens, um, home cinema systems, multi-channel systems, speakers, subwoofers, um, all that kind of jazz. And, of course, we've just had one of the biggest shows, and I'm not talking about CES here, um, one of the biggest shows for the integration market, um, which is a big driver for innovation. Um, it's the market where a lot of the technology that eventually trickles down to your living room uh, is introduced, is used in uh, not just residential systems, but big commercial systems. You know, If you've ever wondered how these uh, museums come up with their uh, you know, a projection on buildings and all that kind of thing, right down to creating a cinema in the home. There's a whole industry out there, um, and ISE certainly covers the vast majority of that industry. So we're not just talking about home cinema. You're talking about all sorts of display tech, all sorts of audio tech, multi-room, all that kind of thing. Um, uh, it's something I've never been to. And I really should have went to it when it was at Amsterdam because it would have been a nice, easy flight for me to get into Amsterdam and back home again. Barcelona is a little bit further, um, and I think it's an easy jet flight as well, which is never great. Um, so anyway, uh, I've never been to ISE, but the guys have, um, all three of our guests. Um, so the reason that Jules and Greg are in the same room is uh, they've been holding the PVA training, uh, which you always, you always do that after these major shows, um, Greg. What's the reason for that? Why is it you run your training after those?
3: Well, it's this. It's a lot of the same people that would attend a show want to want to come to the training. So it's you know one stop shopping. They get the trade show and then they get they stay for the training. So it works out well.
0: Yeah, and you do that at most of these big events, don't you?
3: Um, CES, ISC, and then NAB and IBC. Yes, yeah, so the the four big trade shows for electronics, uh, CEDIA Home, and then uh, then also the post production shows like the, the yeah. NAB in, in Las Vegas and the uh, IVC, which is in Amsterdam.
0: Yeah. So lots of these big trade shows, there's a whole industry out there that maybe you're, you know about, maybe you don't know about, um, but the three guys have been at ISE. So, um, yeah, Martin, why don't you tell us what ISE is, what it stands for and, and why it exists?
2: Well, ISE stands for Integrated Systems Europe, and it's a business-to-business or B2B show, essentially, It's uh, where there is any massive AV integration in any commercial or residential environment. And therefore, for the average consumer, although they might love to walk the show floor at CES, uh, walking around ISE would make less sense probably to them. Um, There is only one essentially AV or um, if you like home cinema, if you like hall, uh, the rest of the halls are dedicated to those uh, commercial environments that I've just uh, mentioned. So everything from pipe to advertising, you know, massive display boards, um, that kind of thing, Uh, communication systems in hospitals. The show covers all those uh, those gamuts and verticals.
0: So, Jules, you're a regular out there. What is it that you get from the show? What is it that, that you do when you're out there?
1: Well, I mean, there are, um, I mean, the manufacturers are, are present there. Um, so speaker manufacturers, uh, projection, um, all, all sorts of manufacturers. It's great to see the, the, the latest tech that they might be presenting um, and to experience those. The other thing is that there's a lot of business done at these places. So even though, you know, some of the distributors that I might deal with, uh, some of the manufacturers are just down the road um it's an opportunity to see them all in one place at the same time so a lot of networking is done as well so in the, and a, and after the day's over there's usually some other sort of manufacturer party or distributors party that you get to and again it's opportunity to network with other people in the same place at the same time so it's incredibly useful for uh developing those contacts and um yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a it, my my wife thinks I'm on Jamboree. I keep telling her I'm I'm, I'm working really hard. <laughs>
2: fast,
1: I, I believe it's snow is due in the UK sometime soon. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow
0: yeah, so I I mean it's it's like any big trade show. You, you you're going to do a a lot of mingling, a lot of talking, a lot of business gets done. Greg, um, these these things are important, and I think um I, I think a point I'm going to make here is that uh, we did have the event. Um which cancelled a lot of these shows and, and we had the lockdowns and everything else and business kind of, you know, uh, crawled along for a few years. Um, and now we're finally getting back it. And I think, I don't know, I, I can't speak for you, but I think for, for a lot of people I've spoken to, certainly at CES this year, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back face-to-face and actually interacting with people because we could do it on video calls and all the rest of it, but it's really impersonal, isn't it? It's like you're giving a presentation to somebody. You're not actually standing speaking to somebody
3: yeah it's great to get back to you know back to the face-to-face interaction you know that's why i i go to the iac show um we have more have more than 300 individuals now that have had pva training or or pva certified video professionals i want to meet with them want to talk with what their concerns are you know and then spread the word of the pva um, I specifically again I also went for the to the Ic show to announce what the Pva is now partnered with Barco residential, which is a pretty big deal for us. Um, it's it's a it's the major player in in cinema uh, projection and uh, now Pva is a partner company within the Barco residential and we're and we have certified their entire line. We spent uh, we we did one week in Belgium in November, and we certified. You know, we we checked out, verified, and certified their entire line of uh, of, of residential projectors.
0: Yeah, and and it's a it's a different proposition when you're dealing with people face to face, isn't it, Martin? You you get more of that. Uh, I, I I call it impersonal because you start talking about things that you wouldn't talk about on a video call, and that's where you then build the relationships with people. That's where you then start doing your business, isn't it?
2: Totally. And, you know, I don't think there's any substitute for meeting people in person. I mean, I think uh, we, you know, pick up communication signals from each other in a one-on-one uh, personal uh, physical environment that you just can't do over a uh, a video, you know, a piped video link. So, yes, it, I, I, I think it's invaluable. And actually, the best deals are always done when you're with someone. And yes you get all that extra chat as well, like you said, and the social bit, which is usually um, omitted uh, on a Zoom call or other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we met for the first time as well, Martin, didn't we? Yes. Yes, we did. Yes.
0: (laughs) That was a a
1: nice surprise. We hadn't planned it. Correct.
0: (laughs) No, it's it's always good for these things. So, uh, yeah, it's it's an important show. But why is it important, Jules? In terms of what we're talking about tonight, you know, what kind of tech are we talking about? What kind of markets are we talking about? Is it just the uber rich, you know, fitting out a super yacht, or is, is it more uh, focused than that?
1: Well, probably of more interest to AV firms um, uh, frequenters is the fact is the single hall that we were mainly in which is to do with the custom install business uh, so you have all the major distributors there that, that service our sector and also manufacturers too um so um you know the they're all presenting their products as well you know there was a demo that martin and i both went to uh which was for cricks trinov um and um they were presenting waveforming which is pretty disruptive as far as audio is concerned and it's going to improve people's experiences um in their cinemas in their in their rooms um uh so it all trickles down to the the end user in the end it's all about improving the experience that cinematic experience for every single one of us so um useful really useful to be there
0: okay you you've, you've got me hooked in now so explain it a little bit more what is waveform and what was it that we're actually demonstrating and showing you
1: well, I mean, Martin probably could explain this better than me. But um, the the problem with small rooms is is room modes, and uh, and and uh, the bass response in particular can be problematic in these rooms. So Greg and I, although we're sitting right next to each other, might be if we're in a in a in a particularly difficult room, we might be having a very different bass experience yep. um, uh, in, in in our in our cinema. Um, and waveforming is being innovated by Trinov uh to basically to to really sort of get to grips with that that uh that uh, that problem and to give people uh an equal experience uh regardless of their seating position so it's it's, it's pretty disruptive as far as that's concerned um the you know the previous methods were you know uh, packing out your room with all sorts of base traps and things like that and 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 this is using um very very clever sort of technology to be able to sort of deal with that um very impressive technology. What, yeah, and I what think, do you think,
0: Martin?
1: Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, I think um, if I'm right in saying Trinov
2: is offering this as a firmware update to its uh, processor platform, uh, the Altitude processors. And they do a really great illustration, actually, before they start to demo the audio, where they show how the waves of bass literally move through the room like, like an, an ocean wave. Uh, which is a good illustration, but it also shows that everybody gets equal coverage at every seat of this very impactful base. And it did. It does work very well. You know, they show you, uh, you get a chance to hear it with waveforming off and then waveforming on. And uh, I don't know if any of you have seen this before, but Trinov always does a very impressive demo at every show. They have this modular room, which they actually build on site. And I think they go in with Barco. I think they had a Barco projector there this year, residential projector, and they were using MadVR VR um, yeah. video technology as well, uh, video processing technology. So yeah, overall, it's a, it's a. They they always put on a good show, Trino.
1: And the 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 they had that that frequency sweep, didn't they, Martin? At the yes. Very off and then on, and the difference is quite profound. How smooth it was when the waveforming was switched on. It was very very impressive.
0: I, I mean, the old approach always used to be um, a subwoofer in each corner of your room uh, to level out your base. But um, moving into you know, what we're talking about now in terms of uh, what you can do with the electronics and so on. Is it something that is going to trickle down? Um, is, is, is this trinov only or, or is this something that you think the industry is going to get behind quite quickly?
1: At, at yeah. the moment, I think it's you know it, you know obviously this is a, a this is a Trinov thing, but I think Dirac are, are trying to do something quite similar, it, yeah. you know, maybe approaching in a different way, but but again trying to get to grips with this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there at Barcelona last year and had heard a demo uh, off site uh, again, which was also very very impressive. Um, so you know, it, uh, owners of, uh, of of Dirac or Dirac, um, uh, whichever way you prefer. Um, we'll be looking forward to getting that in their,
0: in their, uh, their home yeah. cinema. Well, I had that demo at CES, not this year, but the previous year, because um, obviously it was Storm Audio only, wasn't yeah, yeah. it was not until about October. So, uh, yeah, that was very, very impressive as well. So interesting to see uh, you know, Trinov getting on board with that as well. So what it, else?
2: It, it's worth mentioning actually, Phil, as well, that you know, for people who are uh, watching the forum who don't know, but I mean, even at 100 hertz, one wavelength is 10 feet so you've got one wave uh, covering um, ten feet dimension, and that's why bass is so difficult to manage in a uh, in a small room. In a large room, it's easy. Outdoor, it's e- outdoors. It's even easier, but uh, but at home, uh, it's a challenge. Whereas high frequencies are easy to deal with. It's cinemas have a challenge with uh, getting high frequencies to travel across a uh, a large space.
0: Mm, yeah. So what else? Uh... Out there that, that really caught your your eye, guys. Yeah, um, Jules.
1: Well, we both um, and Martin's already mentioned it, but we we both were on the MadVR Envy, uh demo as well. Um, they again have also been pretty disruptive in terms of video processors. Uh, they've made a big splash over the you know over the last uh, couple of years with their with their product. It actually began and it's still available, I think, as a free software uh, download. Mm. Build your own HTPC and, and do it there, but you may be slightly limited in the sort of sources you can use with it. But um, they've been you know retailing this sort of pre-configured box, um, everything maxed out and and optimized, and it's been it's been very very impressive. Um, some of the things that they are particularly focusing on are something called motion AI. Um, you know how to build a better mousetrap, effectively. You know frame interpolation on steroids um trying to you know, a lot of a lot of i know a lot of people might uh, might not particularly appreciate um as i do and i like i like 24 frame the, the feel of 24 frames um and uh, some people might feel they're losing some detail as as things uh, you know pan across a screen and motion ai is is the intent is to try and recover some of that detail uh, without necessarily adding soap opera effect, so this is, this is quite a challenge. Um, most of the people that I sp- I spoke to at the you know uh, at the MadVR demo were, were quite impressed by, by what they were doing. Um, I don't know what Ma- Martin feels, um, how, what his experience was like.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I, well, there are a couple of things that I was very impressed with, which is the dynamic tone mapping for people who don't have such a feature in in their displays and that's particularly pertinent to projector owners also the aspect ratio manipulation as well which you can program which is is very exciting again for for um people with projectors or, or or TVs as well actually i mean there are so many things you can do with it it's fantastic the non-linear stretch technology i wasn't so sold on that's where you you can distort the image at the sides to if for example you've got a 2.35 to 1 screen or a ultra-wide um, uh, TV monitor, you can uh, you can have stretch uh, distortion in different parts of the screen to fit that uh, native aspect ratio of your display. That's something I would probably use less, but uh, nevertheless, it's intriguing stuff. And they can also move subtitles partially outside of black bars as well. Um, I've got a Blu-ray player which actually moves the entire subtitle into uh, the image. So again, I wouldn't have much need for that. But the dynamic tone mapping is a is a great asset, I think, and the aspect ratio management.
3: Yeah, and yeah. and, and, and
1: sort of color calibration as well with the three D LUTs as well. That that can really make a difference too
0: yeah so that you know we're talking about this technology maybe some of the users out there are not familiar with mad vr not familiar with video processors so in what way does that become useful for them jules you know what is it it's actually doing and what can they you know what kind of system can they use it in
1: well i think primarily um owners of home theaters because this product is not cheap um would appreciate if they've got a if they've got a projection system in particular um, everything we've been talking about here in terms of aspect ratio handling. For instance, if you have a CinemaScope screen in your cinema, a projection room, um, it's it, it, you can program the MAD-VR so that it recognizes your screen boundaries and it will then automatically fit the content on your Scope screen so that you don't lose anything and there's no physical need to zoom in or zoom out with your lens on your projector Um, particularly if you get for instance we have multi-aspect ratio movies now like Top Gun Maverick um, which are which are flipping um, in the middle of it you know good luck with that if you if you if you've got a a lens memory system uh, it's not going to work for you so something like that handles um, handles the aspect ratio as we said the dynamic tone mapping on a projector remember you're trying to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, mostly a thousand-nit content on projectors that can barely do hundred nits on, you, depending on your screen yeah. size. game it's like, you know, again, good luck with that unless you have some sort of uh, dynamic tone mapping going on. So mm. there are real advantages for video processors, of which MadVR is only one. There is, there are other ones out there, um, but they, you know, they they really do transform projection systems in particular. But adding to that both of us saw the demo of the tone mapping on a display on a on a flat panel i think it was probably a sony flat. yeah it panel. was it was and the demonstration did show that there were again tone mapping benefits even to even to the flat panel as well so um uh, so it's not just exclusively for, for projectors
0: yeah, and interesting. You mentioned uh, changing aspect ratios because that is important. Though, because certainly, when I had a, a scope screen and I was using a JVC N5 projector, I would I would use the you know the uh, the automated system and I would put blanking at top and bottom. So even if it changes aspect ratio, I should still be seeing what the two three five version. That, that would well, be. actually, but there yeah. is an issue because a lot of directors are now actually reframing from the theatrical version for these multi-aspect ratios on Blu-ray. So, when in theory, you know, the 2.3.5 version that was shown theatrically should be the same as the IMAX version um, in terms of how it's framed. It just opens up the frames. They're not doing that anymore. Now A lot of these directors are actually going in and changing it in post for the Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray release where they're actually reframing it. So, you can't use your projector with your lens memory and just mask top and bottom because they actually changed the way they frame it and that's another annoyance oh I, I,
2: I wasn't so aware of that film, but uh a, a, a lot of the digital files the dci compliant files that go to the cinemas if they're not uh in imax type uh not going to be shown in imax type auditoriums uh then it usually was that the director would yeah, frame yeah. everything within a 2.4 so, frames so th- that it could do go to all the theaters all yeah, the so, so yeah. the
0: theatrical version is correctly framed because obviously when the, when the Obviously, when they're making this up, you know, the monitor's mask so they can check that the framing checks, yeah. checks out for 240 as well as the aspect ratio for, for IMAX. But what the, this new trend now is that the directors are going in and they are reframing the IMAX shots. Uh-huh. So it no longer matches up with the 235. Uh, that it should be theatrically. so i think there's a couple where where that's been the case and, and if you're using your system like that so it's interesting that mad VR actually offer a, a way around that potentially so yeah yeah right anything else uh, that we need to talk about in terms of what you guys actually saw and 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 what you know kind of blew your frock up
2: oh just one thing phil um Steinway and Sons of Steinway and Link- Steinway Lindorf fame uh, mm. have produced a soundbar, but it's is a uh, passive soundbar.
0: Okay. How many Are thousands?
2: How many thousands of what? Pounds. Oh, pa- pounds. Uh, I I think you can add several zeros to whatever you imagine first. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, I didn't hear a price, nor did I get a chance to hear it. But it's a beautiful looking thing, and it's designed to go under a 75 inch or more TV. And uh, anyway.
0: If it's Steinway, it will look amazing. It will absolutely make you yeah. pay, for it. You'll pay yeah. for it. Greg, what was your highlights on the show? Because obviously you're there to do a bit of business, but I'm, I'm presuming that you had a walk around the show floor and had a look at stuff.
3: It's um, bigger and brighter, you know, and that's for everything displays. It's just, it's about brightness. Um, it's about the, uh, the sound cancellation for the, for the bass response. I mean, things are getting better. And I think it's, it's really cool. The evolution that we've gone through in the, like you know, I've been doing this 24 years now, going back from CRTs that 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 were 480p.
1: Mm-hmm. Now we're
3: going to 8k resolution and HDR, and we're talking about 4,000 nits. And it's just like it's it's really cool. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. fun, it's a fun uh, fun field to be in, and it's it's fun to uh, to be with these people that are all having fun in the industry.
0: Yeah. And you know, like you, um, a long time been in this this game and and doing what we're doing and you know, we were pushing for a long time for a lot of the tech that we now take for granted, you know, the calibration standards. You know, I've given presentations to manufacturers. You've done the same when in the THX days and that kind of thing. to get people on board and give us this and give us that and why don't we do this? And then you reach this point now where it's like, right, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> we've, we've, we've kind of achieved everything we wanted to achieve. So, and and I, and I got to that point and I thought, well, what are we going to do now? And then it's like, actually why don't we just enjoy it you know enjoy the technology and tell people how to enjoy the technology and show them what they can be doing with their displays and their equipment and so on and like you say, where we are now to where we are when navy forums first started in 2000 it, it's light years you know ahead of where we were back then so um it's exciting tech i've never been to isc um i would like to go at some point and just uh just experience it it's uh it's it's a different type of show um in terms of ISE and Cedia, um, Cedia Expo, you know, are, are they similar, Greg, in terms of what you're getting from them?
3: Yes and no. Like, ISE has a Cedia component. Cedia is a, is a partner within the ISE show. They're not the full show. Um, it, it, when you go to the Cedia show in the United States, it's all home theater, home automation, um, you know, home AV and this, this show is much more commercially in nature yeah, yeah. with the yeah. home theater component yeah yeah
0: so as we wrap up on I see anything else that that you guys uh saw there or anything else that you think oh this could be a trend this year this could be a bit of a game changer
1: well I think some of some of the impressive tech that you saw at CES was also present at ISE uh, Phil liked you know transparent OLED signage yeah. and that kind of stuff it's uh, you know it's pretty pretty cool stuff hard to think of any sort of application in the in the in the home um you know in, in in people's cinemas but um but it's uh very impressive it just shows you what can be achieved and um you know maybe maybe holographic content is not too
0: far <laughs> but and, you know a lot of people say well what's the point you know how, how can I use that but if companies are not innovating if they're not trying new things if they're not coming up with these displays i mean digital signage that's perfect you know transparent oled is perfect for that kind of thing hotels um you know receptions all that kind of thing i can think of lots of uses for for tech like that in a commercial environment in the home yeah maybe not but who knows they they might stumble upon something while they're putting you know transparent OLEDs together and think well actually that might be more applicable to the consumer And, and if companies are not pushing things and and not developing then we kind of standing still and, and and not progressing so yeah yeah i'm going one and, day i'm gonna go
1: and of course you know there were there were the the, the large tvs that you saw at ces as well the tcl yeah. uh that 115 inch micro, uh, mini led display um so it was good to be able to see that after you'd seen it at ces and we'd spoken about it you know a few weeks back um so that was that was a good experience
0: yeah, excellent. So it looks like it's going to be uh, an exciting year ahead. So let's make some predictions of what we think the big trends are going to be for the year ahead. What is it that, that us as enthusiasts are going to get enthusiastic about and what potentially could we end up finding in our homes? Um, so, you know, it's no surprise that the large screen TVs are going to dominate this year. We, we've seen that trend starting already. Um, where does it end, Greg?
3: Well, I, I'll make it two five-year predictions okay one of them, one of them is we're going to revisit 3D at some point as we get more <laughs> light output no they're they're going they're, their manufacturers are going to try to sell it to us again
1: uh-huh.
0: I, I don't think you're too far away there because the, there's always a 3D aspect on the stands whatever you go to these trade shows um so far it hasn't been moving video it's just been concept stuff but there uh, might be something in that one maybe something in it Jules
1: um, well, for this next year, what we spoke about already in terms of the and the audio side of things, we're going to see waveforming and uh, with uh, the the Dirac um, room treatment as well, trying to improve your your uh, audio experience in your room. And again as you said the the, the large TVs, you know, and to that point, I know I don't think projectors are dead at all. I just think that uh, maybe UST projectors might suffer from this. Um, as the panels gets um you know larger and more impressive
0: yeah I mean I, and and I think it is important to point out why usts in particular because that technology relies on you still having a screen you know you can put it on your wall but you're not going to get the best out of it you still have to have a, an alR screen so you still have to have the screen on the wall or you can have something that comes out up out of uh, something that has to sit on the floor you know if you've got a, a power up screen or whatever it's quite cumbersome, and then when you think about, well, I could just have a TV. Yeah, it's going to be a big TV, and it's going to be heavy, but you know, it doesn't have to come up out of the floor, and it it's then still a screen on a wall. So
1: those USTs, you know, whenever I've seen and, and and calibrated them, they they're usually around, you know, the screens about hundred inches, something like that. It's not as big as some of the projection screens that you might I might yeah. calibrate come across in more dedicated rooms, um, and the client usually thinks of it as. Um, uh yeah it's it's uh it's it's more preferable to having a, a long throw situation they can't mm. manage a long through probably because of the the room dimensions <laughs> it gives them a big screen Um, uh, yeah. but there are compromises to be made you know the black levels aren't so good uh yeah. there are the, you know so i think that that a tv going up to 98 inches something like that will probably as the prices come down too will probably really impact on that sector
0: yeah, yeah. Martin, what do you think uh, the trend is going to be this year?
1: Actually, just going back to Greg's point about
2: uh, 3D, I remember Yoan Allen from Dolby said to me once, 3D keeps coming back like athlete's foot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah. it will come back. Um, but uh, I think there's going to be more of a trend for wireless and very home-friendly soundbar systems with mm-hmm. surround. I think Sony, in some ways, with their HTA 9 system, were kind of ahead of the uh, the curve there with their Dolby Atmos spatial uh, audio system, a uh, very nice home friendly designs and uh, very fine performing as well, although that was quite an expensive system, but I think, I don't know if you saw this, Phil, at um, CES, but I think Uh, Sharp created a bit of a stir with their new wireless soundbar slash surround system 7.1 or whatever, and uh, is um, predicted to be very budget friendly as well and very fine performing. Um, I think that system is only designed to go with their own branded uh, displays, but uh, I think that's going to be the direction of travel, home-friendly, wireless surround mm. systems, moving a bit away from the soundbar model and uh, branching out a little from that or evolving from that.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a few trends that we're starting to see um, as people spend more time in, in their homes and so on. I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast now, but I definitely think that people are thinking about their living space a lot more. Um, And also, sorry,
2: the performance is getting really good from these small enclosures as well. I mean, last year I reviewed the uh, Amazon Echo Studio, which is the self-contained unit, which you can pair up and have two either side of a TV, and really sounded very impressive.
3: Yeah.
0: And, of course, we got um, uh, Flex Connect from Dolby Atmos. Um, So this is really interesting tech. Um, I I didn't get a chance to see it at CES. It it was uh, closed-door demos. And... Um, I didn't have an opportunity to get in and have a look at it. But basically, you can have um, a couple of speakers anywhere in in your room um, and the TV on a completely opposite wall and so on. And um, it uses processing in the room and, and so on to try and create an immersive experience with just a couple of speakers that are not necessarily positioned where they should be positioned because what they're trying to take into account is, is how people use their living rooms and, you know... <laughs> when you see how do I set up my home cinema and it's always a rectangular room with a screen exactly where it should be, the chair exactly where it should be, each speaker exactly, nobody lives like that. (laughs) Unless you've got the luxury of having a dedicated room, nobody lives like that. So this is where I think some people have been getting frustrated with it. Some people have been looking at why have I got a room that's got 7.4.4 speakers in it and and so on, and are looking at the living space and the the downsizing. I think it's a big trend. I think it's still continuing. And I think this is where we start to see things like you know Flex Connect from Dolby and, and a few other techs coming along where they're taking that into account that not everybody, like we said in the display um, podcast last week, not everybody lives in a grading suite, not li- everybody lives in a theatre um, or in a room that's conducive to to having that kind of setup. So it's interesting to see where where companies are thinking out the box, literally thinking out the box in terms of where we place our equipment, how we get the best out of it in, in non-ideal situations yeah. and so on. Um, even things that impress me, um, like the Canvas hi-fi thing, you know, it, it's a lot of money. It, it's not going to suit everybody. But again, it's another company thinking out the box. And it's not one of these sound bars, you know, but at the same time, it's not a full-on hi-fi system, but it's the best of both and using processing technology to help with that. So... I think my my trend for the year is is that everything's not going to stay the same. I think people are now looking at home cinema, media rooms, living rooms in a different way, um, not the traditional way. And the traditional way will always stay, I'm not saying that's dead and people are suddenly going to get rid of the JVC projectors and the scope screens and all the rest of it. But I think amongst larger sector of, of consumers when it comes to home cinema and so on, I think we're going to see some changes. Um, I think we're going to see more in terms of streaming services and that kind of thing coming out on online, and um, how people use their audio systems, how people use their TVs with their audio systems. I think I think we're going to see a few changes there. That's my yeah. prediction, anyway.
1: So. We're seeing more of the, uh, the 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 quote unquote the media room nowadays. Yes. nowadays. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you you'd have you know you'd have a small a smaller television when TV sizes were you know. Were much smaller than they are now or you have a projection system and now you can yeah. have a very large well you can have a UST UST project but you've can have a lot a much larger television and of course that then creates a different environment you can put that in your lounge you're not going to have a blacked out room necessarily so you're going to have ambient mm-hmm. light in there and um so so the experience is consumed in a different way um yeah. than you do traditionally mm-hmm. so um and
0: and going, going back to what you had demoed at ISE, so this waveforming technology, who's to say that in five years' time that technology is not in these small speakers or, or in a TV and doing exactly the same thing and using processing to make a, 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 a room that's not ideal, a bit more practical, a bit more usable, where, where you can get more of an experience out of the kit?
1: I think even even from last year, Phil, there's been developments in waveforming. I think you know they're, yeah. they're now they're now saying that it can be achieved with four subwoofers. Um, you, you're still better off with a few more, but um, I think last year there was there was some like sixteen subwoofers in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember whether that's front and back or, or just what, but but it can be it's being scaled down um, yeah. uh, as we as we speak. So yes, it is it is coming into smaller situations. Phil, so the
2: other thing is, you said, um, uh, you know that it, you know you got to the point where you thought we we've kind of topped out. We've we've got everything we could possibly want. Uh, but you know, we used to think that twenty five years ago, at, at, when I worked at Lucasfilm, we thought that we'd reached the ceiling. We we'd kind of got as technology had got as good as it was ever ever going to get. And another twenty years, we'll be having the same conversations. And yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. exactly. But I think. Uh, I, Maybe it's just reading on, on online nowadays. Maybe it's just the, the tone of the internet nowadays where actually guys, just think about where we are and what we're talking about. You're talking about minute differences between a couple of products and you're getting in a bun fight about it. It's like, look at what you've got, look at what you got at home. Yeah. Be be happy with what you have and you know, um and hopefully this is where we we become useful, um and more useful and, and pointing people in the right direction in terms of technology, in terms of how we get the best out of their home cinema systems. If you're downsizing, you know what should you be looking at? What things should you consider? If you're building a media room or a living room or a home cinema, you know where do you place the speakers? What should you be thinking about in terms of um, viewing distances and and furnishing and all that kind of thing? Because that's another big growth area. I forgot to say in my trends. It, you know, interior design is becoming more and more relevant to people. It, it wasn't 10 years ago. Over the last 10 years, it's become more prevalent, and I think it's it's things now where especially when you look at, at the market in general and a lot wider you see how people are furnishing the their, their spaces their living spaces and so on there's more thought going into that in terms of not minimalist but making it more cozy and, and using technology to help with that and again i think there's going to be a crossover there with home cinema and um you know audio and visual technology and i think it's exciting you know we maybe reached like say martin you think oh well where can we go for here well, Actually, there's loads of places we can go, and there's lots of things that we can still be doing. Um, and, and things are just going to get better, but that's enough for this week. Um, that's our predictions. Come back and check and see how wrong we were. Um, by the time we get to the end of the year, uh, these podcasts are around forever, so you no know, egg on the face. Um, we're, we're happy to take it, well, that's our suggestions for this year. If you've got your thoughts, or you think, uh, where things are going to be in 12 months' time, or what you, you're excited about, what are your plans? Are you changing your room? Are you looking to do things. I know Martin's, um, he's been looking at changing his room and Martin lives in a rented accommodation so maybe Martin can give us some tips in the the months ahead as to how he's solved some of the potential issues he's had in terms of setting up his uh, AV system and um, how to get the best out of it there. Um, We'll we'll be doing some other bits and pieces here in terms of rooms and setting rooms up for different um, aspects and that kind of thing so any questions on that then get them in podcasts.avforums.com on the email uh, you can search out this podcast at avforums bottom of the forum list podcast forum find this podcast and put your uh, questions in there and of course the the description box down here if you're watching on youtube and of course remember to subscribe to the AB Forums podcast youtube channel not the main channel AB Forums podcast just go subscribe there you'll never miss any of our podcasts and of course they're going to turn up every monday and the next episode It's the movies. So you get two for one with movies. Um, So you can join the guys on the 26th of February from 7pm on our YouTube channel. And of course, uh, you can also get that audio only through your podcast provider. Uh, And then the Hi-Fi edition returns on the 4th of March. So Monday, the 4th of March. Uh, for myself and Ed, and a couple of guests for the Hi-Fi edition. Um, Those are available, like I say, from 7pm, so go and check them out uh, every Monday uh, through the year. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then of course, uh, subscribe, do all the cliched uh, social media stuff, and of course, if you want to buy us a coffee, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash AVForums. I am Phil Hinton, thank you very much for watching, thanks to the guys tonight, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Thank you, bye.